to the state of Colorado. So you've got this tremendous opportunity to extract that resource with absolutely phenomenal environmental regulations on the books. And, you know, they're great to have, but the process needs to move. Welcome to Energy Builders, a podcast about the geologists, engineers, roughnecks, entrepreneurs, and many more that are building in oil and gas. On this episode, our guest is Mike Umbro. Mike is the founder principal of Fieldview Capital, a partner in premier resource management, and the founder CEO of Californians for Energy and Science. On this episode, Mike and I discuss his background in buy-side M&A, why most Californians want local oil production, and the hostile regulatory environment for producing hydrocarbons. Now, our conversation was great, but we did have some technical issues, so I hope you'll understand if there's some bad audio or awkward pauses. That said, I hope you get something out of this episode, and I hope you'll enjoy it as well. Mike Umbro is the guest today on the Energy Builders podcast. Mike, thanks for being here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I'm excited to do it. Yeah. Um, so let's, you know, I know I know a bit about what you do, you know, from mm-hmm. LinkedIn. I know you've been sure. really prolific in posting and talking about, uh, you know, like buying local and that uh, your uh, fellow Californians need to be aware of where their energy comes from, et cetera, Absolutely. et cetera. But like, before we jump into that, like, let's let's back up and like talk mm-hmm. about like, how, what's the Mike Umbro origin story? Sure. <laughs> how'd you, how'd yeah. you get to today? Yeah, well, I, you know, most people in our industry quickly realize I'm not from the Midwest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm born and raised in San Diego. And, and, and um, you know, as, as the coaster goes by me in front here, but I'm born and raised in San Diego and um, really had no connection to energy whatsoever in my upbringing. Uh, went to high school at a place called Torrey Pines High School. Some people are familiar with the golf tournament and the golf course, which is absolutely the most beautiful place uh, awesome. you can play golf, in my opinion. But um, I went to school you know, somewhat locally at Pepperdine University, studied economics, and really just fell into this industry by way of a couple of, you know, first jobs. And I graduated, uh, you know, undergrad in 2005. And at the time, one of my first jobs was at Morgan Stanley. And that was the first time I heard uh, the term master limited partnership. Um, And then, and then, I went to a buy side uh, acquisitions firm and we had a management team in Houston. And my job was to basically dial for production and source production that we could buy up, you know, under this management team. So, you know, I'm a local Southern California guy. um, And then from there, you know, my career just kind of led me to the San Joaquin Valley in Bakersfield, um, you know, a place that I grew up maybe playing state cup soccer tournaments. But other than that, if you're in San Diego, you're not going to Bakersfield, um, you know, unless you have family there really. Right. Right. That's, that's, that's wild. My, um, uh, my grandparents on my dad's side grew up on, Mm -hmm. uh, well, my grandma specifically on the Mojave desert. Uh, Yeah. Her father was a foreman on a mining operation out there. So, um, so we still have some oxen relatives. Yeah. Back there, uh, in your neck of the woods. So, 
how did that, um, how did that, I guess, how did you transition? Do you run your own? What is FV Capital? What do you guys do there? What's, what's the so, story there? So yeah, that's kind of a perfect picking up. I had a, this buy side M&A job and I fell in love with the industry immediately. Um, you know, my grand, grandpa was from Oklahoma and Texas and, you know, came out here in the great depression and, you know, worked his way through New Mexico and out here. But, um, I just had that kind of connection with the industry of good people fell in love with it. And I, I left my job, which was effectively dialing for production. I thought if I'm doing these phone calls, like, and I have a economics degree, I have a finance background. If I'm doing this work to source the most valuable piece of, you know, a future company, which is the asset, um, why don't I just try to do that on my own? And that was 2008. So I started Fieldview Capital. Um, and I just thought Fieldview sounded cool. And Hey, Mike, we lost you there for a second. No, 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 you're cool. You're cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, it'll be good. Um, so no, yeah, I got the, you were, you were, you, uh, you said, uh, why not own the asset yourself if you're dialing for this and putting it together? Yeah. Or, or, or just own the process uh -huh. myself because I was working for, you know, a managing director sourcing deals for him. And I'm like, well, I'm doing this grunt work. Like this is really a cool industry. I'm learning, you know, the, the terminology of upstream oil and gas. I'm learning what these deals are like. I came, I knew nothing about oil and gas before this experience. I thought, well, why not just go learn the recession hit? Uh, so payment wasn't great. Job opportunities to grow weren't great. I was bored there and I started FieldView, um, really with, you know, the tools that I had learned on my own of, of calling people in the industry and, um, you know, kept calling and, and kept putting deals together. And, um, you know, it took me a couple of years. I started with, you know, some, some consulting jobs and then it, it took me a couple of years to get FieldView established as, you know, any startup would, but I thought, if, if I could do it in this recession, then I could, you know, survive on my own anytime, you know, if you could do it now, let's do it. Right. And so that's when I started FieldView and I still, I still operate FieldView as just, you know, a sole proprietor. It's just me. Um, but I really don't source deals for other people so much anymore. A lot of, you know, my time and attention is on our project. So, um, I'm partnered in another company called premier resource management, and we are developing a property on the west side of the San Joaquin Valley. Um, so I, you know, I, I maintain my field view business. And then um, since 2018, I've become an operator and a developer myself. And that's what really led me to be more vocal about what I was seeing, because then I went from understanding, you know, the deal flow process and kind of the finance stuff, which is, um, you know, not so much focused on the environment. You're trying to put deals together. You're not actually managing, you know, a piece right. of land. And so that's when I really started to say, wow, it's phenomenal the amount of work that goes into actually developing an asset. Um, and more people need to know about it. And so that's that's kind of the <laughs> my evolution, no, yeah. I guess, in, in career to that's current. That's great. So what was I guess what was some of the big eye openers from going through with like field view, like sourcing and putting together deals, like you said, and then moving to developing where you're working with landowners, you're working with government agencies, you're working with engineering firms. 
what were, what maybe, I don't know if it's, if it's principles or maybe just some experiences or some moments where you're like, oh my yeah. gosh, this is totally different or unexpected. What are some of those? Yeah. Well, the, the first, the first instance was, you know, having a cash call, <laughs> you know, now, now I'm not trying to put deals together for a fee, but I'm writing checks to develop something with two partners. And very quickly, I realized how, you know, why the mindset of operators is the way it is and, and tracking every dollar spent and, you know, really, you know, making the effort to qualify who your contractors are and to make sure you're getting the quality of work that you're paying for. Um, that was, that was, and continues to be a really fun experience. Um, so, you know, very quickly, myself and my partners had put in about $700,000 into this project. And then my mind went from, okay, not only is that a lot of money for us to be putting into the project, but all of that money spent was spent in Kern County or in California for the most part. I mean, there might be a couple of, of co contractors we've used, uh, like Tubascope is owned by NOV and NOV's out in Houston, whatever, mm -hmm. something like that. But basically, 95% of our spend was with local contractors. Um, and that made me think, wow, how cool is that? Like, we're at least, we're spending a lot of money, but at least it's going to my community or, you know, my California community, I still live in San Diego and I commute. Um, but it's, it's all being spent with, with people that no, my you're phone does me again. Um, so we, um, you know, we're developing this asset, we're in the community and then, um, you know, what was the type of work we were doing? That was the, the next step. And, all of our work was environmental related and has been to this point. I mean, we haven't even mm -hmm. drilled our first wells yet as an operator. And for five years, since 2018, we've basically been improving the environment at our lease. We took over a lease from an operator that had been bankrupt, uh, you know, five years prior. So this piece of property was just sitting idle, vacant, no, no, you know, care for it at all. So, you know, we brought, you know, the ranchers in to, to have their cows chew up the grass. So we didn't have a, you know, a fire concern out there. We started cleaning up, you know, 40 notices of violation NOVs from the last operator for, you know, leaking tanks or whatever, you know, 40 of them. So we don't need to go through the list, but we cleaned up every NOV from the last operator. We've worked on our geology the best we can, you know, without having drilled our first wells, there's, there's legacy wells and a lot of core wells out there, but you know, you're looking at the subsurface, you know, we're doing biologic surveys for endangered species, for endangered plant life, where, uh, we're mitigating for where we might see potential endangered species. We're, we're drilling on, you know, and, and, and creating drilling pads or islands. So we're minimizing the surface uh, that we're drilling on. So now not only, okay, so we're spending money, we're spending it all locally and almost all of it is going to bettering our environment, our leasehold, our position out there and what we're trying to develop as Californians. And so those are kind of the three things um, which have really shaped and molded, 
you know, what I try to talk about on a, on a social media platform for sure. Yeah, no, I think that's been great. Like having that conversation. I think one of the first times we hung out, I told you, I was like, the buy local idea is fantastic. Like mm -hmm. you, if you don't think about where, like when you plug that laptop in or that iPhone to charge, like where your electricity is coming from, um, I mean, right, right. <laughs> and it's my, not, uh, it's, it's not original. Friends was talking about the other day that someone's like, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's not, it's not original to me. You know, everything is buy local out here. No, yeah. So it's, if it's a surf shop or a taco shop, it says buy local. You know, it's just, that's, that's what you yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't think about like, like that inner, that electricity in the wall socket, like that's produced, like that's electricity doesn't come out of some magic electric tree. Like, you know, right. it's, it's gotta be gener It's gotta be, we gotta create this electricity and, and, whether that's coal or natural gas or solar or wind, um, you know, people don't think about that energy mix. And so I think it's important uh, to have, to be active and make points like you've been on, on social media and to have conversations, hopefully like we're doing in this podcast and some mm -hmm. of our colleagues and friends are doing. I think those are really good. And part of that I think is just the time, like the, the, the ability to leverage, you know, social media and content creation like this didn't exist, you know, except right. for like the last, you know, the, the access, what, I don't know, five to 10 years, if you're really paying attention to be able to put this stuff out there. So hopefully our industry keeps doing that. So kudos to you for that. But yeah. what's it like when you talk to local Californians about like setting up your own project, like working mm -hmm. in Kern County, like working with the County, working with the state, like mm -hmm. do people care? Do they, like, yeah, if, if you're, I mean, positive and negative emotions, I, what is it, what does it I look like? don't think you will find very many Californians that don't want local oil production when it's explained to them and when they understand, you know, what it really is. So like my neighbors, for example, down in San Diego, it's like, you got your permits yet? You got your permits yet? Like they're excited, like, oh. And they didn't, you know, some of them own, you know, California resources as a stock, as a public company. Um, some of them uh, know nothing about oil and gas, but other than the fact that we're friends or neighbors and we've talked about it over the years. Um, but so there's that. I think there's that piece that, you know, people in your community, even if you're not in Bakersfield, you know, they, they want to see it happen. Um, I think... I think there's just, I, I agree with what you said prior to, I'm thinking about that, that our industry and kind of keeping the voices alive in our industry, because it can feel like we're just in an echo chamber. And that's the hardest part dealing with, you know, people in California is getting, you know, our message outside of the industry. And I, I, I still haven't figured out how to do it <laughs> uh, because we just <laughs> get no reputable coverage on national media and then you know all the really good points are are in these podcasts that we're all doing and how do we get that out into the world because i think most people would love <laughs> love to see more oil and gas production in the central valley of california where like on the west side of the san joaquin valley for example where very few people live and where it's an area 
its ecosystem gets less than six inches of rain per year. It's dry. It's barren. There's no groundwater in, in many parts of the west side to foul. You know, the groundwater that is there is very saline or saturated in oil. So you're not going to use it. <laughs> you're not going to use right. it for any purpose other than producing hydrocarbons or uh, potentially cleaning the water and providing that to agriculture. So I think there's this whole, uh, there's this whole like treasure chest that's in on the West side that nobody knows about, <laughs> you know, outside of the people right. in the industry. But if, if every Californian knew about it, they would be out there trying to drill wells themselves. They would be out there right. wanting it because gasoline prices were $7, you know, over a couple of months in the summer. Our natural gas uh, utility prices are doubling. It's it's just unbelievable. So, sorry, that's kind of, I kind of went off on, on that topic when you asked me what no, people no, think. No, that's because good. It, I think it's what they don't well, know that would really change how they think so what's let's go now let's talk about this area and why it's so underdeveloped is it because of like the 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 position of the local governments like the local and state government is that why is this if this resource is there is it just is it purely a regulatory environment like a negative regulatory environment that's keeping more emp companies from developing these Properties. Well, they've been, you know, all of these fields, the beauty of California is all of these fields are just very long lived production profiles. Um, you know, they've all been heavily developed since, you know, dating back to the 1890s. So you've got a tremendous amount of resource that's been developed, which leads me to, to believe what one of the first issues is, is legacy legacy abandonment issues, legacy environmental issues that um, either they're so old, they were neglected back in times when the environmental standards just weren't there. So there are some of those. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got, you know, major operators that have operated here um, that have a lot of legacy abandonment issues themselves, you know, the top three oil producers, each have north of you know nine thousand idle wells on their books, so you've got you've got that whole history and background that now the regulators look at and say this industry is a problem. You know this industry needs to go away. There is there all these abandonment issues are coming down. You know to the state's responsibility if there's you know if someone sells a lease and then the operator goes bankrupt now the state owns these wells um so i think there's legitimate problems that need to be solved for the industry but unfortunately the stance from sacramento and the regulatory bodies has been just shut it down completely so what's what what i see happening is you're losing production very quickly. You know, now you're not drilling near enough new wells to, to maintain the small amount of production that, that these fields produce. Um, and then you're, you're restricting the ability for new operators such as our company to come into the industry and to innovate 
and to really transition these oil fields into something that have has never been seen before. There's this whole misconception from a policy standpoint that these fields are big liabilities, when in fact, they're massive opportunities. You have all this reservoir and all this pore space that can be used to, you know, store heat, to you know, to store carbon, to offer solutions to the environmental challenges of the future. So instead of keeping these places open and alive and improving, um, you know, it's more just kind of like headbutting between operators and regulators. And so it's cause it's a real problem. But there's, um, you know, to answer your question directly from a reserve standpoint in 2018 Kern County alone had 1.6 or 7 billion barrels of proved reserves which is roughly the equivalent to the state of Colorado um so you've got this tremendous tremendous opportunity That's to insane. extract that resource um with absolutely phenomenal environmental regulations on the books and you know mm -hmm. they're great to have but the process needs to move you know at an at a known clip <laughs> so that you can allow right. allow the resource to be responsibly developed and produced exactly you know it's funny like everyone likes to talk about the idea of like terraforming other planets and like we're gonna we're gonna establish a colony on mars and stuff like this but it's right. like you know, can we just agree about uh, we can actually do something environmentally responsible like you're talking right. about? Like this, the, there's opportunity. I mean, good operators are, I mean, you make things better. You can see that here in our state of Oklahoma. I mean, mm -hmm. you drive through the countryside and you will see those mineral millionaires where you get, see these people with massive uh, real estate holdings that are farming and they've done really well because either they had bought the minerals with the surface or they mm -hmm. inherited it or it's multi-generational or they've just bought the minerals. And, and you can see that, I mean, they want to have uh, a pro, you know, <clears throat> their minerals developed. They want oil and gas to be drilled there because they understand that it's a benefit uh, to their land. It's, mm -hmm. it's beneficial to them financially. It's beneficial. Like a good operator is going to build, they're going to build their pad. They're going to take care of it. They're going to, mm -hmm. when, when they need to remit it or shrink it, they will. They'll settle surface damages and do all the right things. And so I think a lot of times we want to dream about these big ideas, like we're going to go to space or the moon and do this. And it's like, you know, that's right in our backyard, the opportunity to, like you're talking about here mm -hmm. in Kern County, where you can, if there's a bunch of salt water and stuff like that, that, you know, you end up, uh, I mean, that could be, like you said, that could be recycled and, and, utilized by farmers or locally. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities, like you said. So what's, um, what's you guys goal with your, with your EMP with, I mean, is it this one property right now that you guys are fully fixated on? And is it just, is it just you guys or have you, are there like, yeah, you, is it just the three of you? Like you guys own the whole lease and yeah, you and your it's two just, partners? It's, it's, it's the three of us operating it, uh, myself and two partners, a guy named Jim Lederhaus, former Chevron for, you know, 27 years, thermal EOR, enhanced oil recovery expert, uh, and Lonnie Curley, our, our COO, who uh, is a 
petroleum engineer, driller, just takes care of everything, drilling and operations out of the field. And uh, we contract out all the work. I do, you know, all the kind of CFO type responsibilities being a finance background. Um, so we went out and raised money in 2020 from three individuals in our community from Kern County. So we raised money locally to develop this project. Um, we'll drill our first five wells here. And now that the, the County permit process was uh, closed down, um, for some legal proceedings around the environmental impact review, <laughs> of course, the EIR uh, right. for the county, uh, which is very thorough. Um, but now that permits have opened back up, we'll drill our first five wells here once we, you know, get them in hand, which hopefully is weeks away. Uh, we're waiting for them. Um, and then from there, so hopefully we can your make Your timeline a bit is of just dictated. Yeah, yeah. Your timeline <laughs> is just thus far been dictated just by the regulatory process is, is really oh, what you're saying. We're, we are three years delayed due to the regulatory process without a doubt. Yeah. We, we've, yeah. we've basically last year we took off, stopped paying ourselves, um, you know, stop, stop really spending anything other than on geology and permitting. That's it. The only thing yeah. we've been spending money on is is environment over a broad category, uh, you know, environmental work and regulatory yeah. response, and then a whole lot of waiting, a lot of downtime. We could have been, we could have been drilling a year ago, for sure. Right. Um, and there's right. a lot. Every operator's in that. That's not just us. That's every operator. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. That's, it is. That's it's sad. Thought, it's I sad we... because then we see in the media, oh, you know, uh, all these people are sitting on permits and it's like, well, right, what right. about it's talk like... about all the people that are waiting for permits? How about that? I mean, mm -hmm. even if you want to distort how the federal permitting process works and if people are just they gathering a bunch of permits as, you know, future exploration. So, you know, they're not actually trying to drill, take all that argument away. What about all the people that cannot get them that want them? That's the story. That's what is going right. to lower prices for yeah. the American people. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'm excited for you guys. Hopefully that's weeks away and you guys can get, get, get turned into the right here in 2023, but, mm -hmm. uh, kind of wrapping up. I know I saw that you and a friend of ours, uh, JP Warren have been doing some like energy fun facts and like yeah. questionnaire, like how did, how did that come about and, and tell, tell everybody who's listening or watching, like what, 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 what was, what was the, what made you guys decide to do that? And what are you hoping to accomplish with them? Yeah. JP's he's awesome. Um, I made JP through LinkedIn. I mean, the power of doing stuff like this, even if, you're not being seen by people. You're meeting amazing people and then you're being seen <laughs> right. by more people. So it's cool to meet JP last year and go to a couple of his events. Um, and then I was telling him about what we're doing where we started a nonprofit called Californians for energy and science. And he's like, Oh, I love that. Let's do it. Let's do a whole show about that. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, how are we going to do that? Uh, but he was, he's all about it. And, and I think right. he and I get along so well because people just need the facts. And so we said, well, then we'll just call it energy facts chats and we'll just do one a week and talk about, you know, what's happening and how we see yeah. it. And so that's how it came about. Um, 
Yeah, it's, and we're just having a lot of fun. I mean, I I hope it gets out of our 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 little uh, energy bubble on LinkedIn and I, whatnot. But I, th- I think so, man. I mean, I'm outside. I, mean, I follow different uh, different guys in different spaces, right? And I think just at some point, some of these things, you know, it's just a matter of doing it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it and it accumulates and builds, and so um, there'll be that moment where if someone finds out about, it, I mean, you, you've seen all the different, I mean, there's right. There's, there's a EFT Twitter. There's yeah. OTT. There's, there's FinTwit. There's, you know, the crypto guys, like there's real estate, you know, all of that. And so I mm-hmm. think it's cool to see um, how some of these things break through, but I, even, even not, I mean, I think it's just, you know, it's like iron sharpens iron, like just having totally. the conversations and thinking about it and just reminding, you know, Hey, this is, you know, it's, it's easy if you're just like on an Island by yourself and just hearing all the like negatives about like the oil and gas industry and not the, like that's, it can be depressing and, and downtown, yeah. but then when you start <laughs> thinking and hearing people say, no, it's, it's a net good. Like this is good for, you know, our community. This is good for our state. This is good for our nation. This is good for our families. This is good for, you know, the people who, you know, when, when these freezing ice cold blasts come through like a month ago, you know, like right. we need, you need solid, reliable energy to heat your homes and protect, you know, yourself from the elements. So I think it's great what you guys are doing. Um, where, where, where do people, where do we send people to find out more about Mike Umbro or to see the energy facts? Like where do we, where do listeners need to go? Yeah, we have a, we have, he and I have a YouTube channel, energy, energy facts. Uh, and, uh, so we post all the energy facts chats right there on the YouTube where it's getting a good amount of views. So that's cool. Uh, I'm on cool. LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter as myself. Um, I couldn't agree more with what you were saying about the power of, you know, social media and all these channels. I mean, especially look at Twitter. You don't know who's following you. I mean, what if, (laughs) what if that's the big break right there? But, um, (laughs) you know, and like you said, the storms and these things happening, we're not trying to get too technical with any of the conversations, but just, you know, what's happening with utility prices, what's happening with your grid, you know, check these things out, you know, play dumb for a couple hours and, and, you know, explore these (laughs) websites and, and you learn a tremendous amount. And then you start to say, wow, I just want to support people around me producing this because the best stuff for us is right in our own backyard. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please do us a big favor and leave a review in whatever podcast app you listen to or share with someone you think might enjoy this content. Thanks a lot for listening to Energy Builders. Energy Builders.